This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Chris Phillips, the host of the Spurs Up Show, to help us preview Vanderbilt in South Carolina coming up Saturday, 4 o'clock Eastern time kickoff on the SEC Network. It's homecoming in Columbia, and we dive into it with Chris. But also, we dive into the bombshell report from our very own Will Byram on Thursday night that turned some heads. Some of it was surprising. Some of it wasn't surprising to see in regards to Joey Lynch and the state of this offense for Vanderbilt football. Can Clark Lee fix it? We'll see. He's got six weeks left to do it, and it starts on Saturday in Columbia. We'll see what happens against the Gamecocks, but Will and I also go through our three things to watch and touch on an interesting piece of news coming from Vanderbilt baseball. The first ever Tim Corbin recruit, Carter Hawkins, has been named the Chicago Cubs general manager. We'll touch on all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into The Door Report. It is episode 115. It is October 15th. 2021 we are powered by the great folks at alaco finewood floors and will this should be pretty fun we've got a lot to dive into not necessarily the game coming up on saturday but we've got a piece of baseball news we've got of course our three things to watch on saturday but uh you released a a pretty decent article on thursday night that turned some heads so uh we'll touch on that but uh but will this will be a focus on the deeper issues with this team and where they're at. We've talked about where they're at. We know where they're at. Uh, but but this episode is going to be mostly about um, the offensive issues we talked about and where, you know, because these goes to, these these issues go deep. Okay. These are deep issues, deep rooted issues. Um, and, and the article addressed a lot of that. So uh, we'll give you your chance to kind of elaborate on it. But man, it's it's South Carolina week, I guess, huh? It's South Carolina week, I guess. That's a great way to put it. You have basically, I don't know what year it was. I think it was 2015 between Vanderbilt and Tennessee. It was dubbed the Toilet Bowl uh, just because it was clearly the 13th and 14th teams in the conference. And we have that this week with South Carolina Mm -hmm. and Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt obviously has had their struggles against South Carolina in recent years. And you'll elaborate more on that when we do the deep dive, a little bit more preview into this actual game. But Man, it is a matchup of bad, bad offenses, and this is going. This is going to be quite, quite the show on the field on Saturday. Yes, it is. I, I uh, you know, we talk about not seeing a lot of defense. This could be a potentially low-scoring game with not. This a could be of quite a. This could be a defensive struggle, but I think I would classify that as an offensive struggle uh, more yes. than a defensive struggle. If you if you do see those uh, low scores on the scoreboard, there. This is an offensive struggle game, and uh, for, <laughs> with with the best of them. So we will dive into it. Uh, we'll touch on Will's piece. Also, Will Carter Hawkins, former Vandy boy, Tim Corbin's first ever baseball recruit. How about that? He has been named the Cubs general manager. Uh, Want to touch on that as well. Uh, we'll get to our three things to watch. And uh, Chris Phillips from uh, the Spurs Up show joins the podcast later. Before we get to the South Carolina preview, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, 
iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's uh, let's dive into it. We will get to the South Carolina preview eventually. Uh, but Thursday night was was pretty fun. We uh, we had built up some some steam on Twitter and we got some fans excited like we uh, like we usually do. And I think the tweet that led up to it got about 14 quote tweets. We had plenty of comments um, on it. And well, I mean, I think it was just as big as how we built it up. Now, this necessarily wasn't a, a breaking news piece by any means, but uh, essentially what this was. We have a source. You had a source, and we, you dove into it. And and that's that's our job as as a Vanderbilt site, a Vanderbilt podcast, and Vanderbilt fans at this point in the season deserved answers. That was the bottom line. And, and people have been clamoring for them. And and we knew there were deeper issues with this team, and we got a lot of them. And, and will they likely go a lot deeper than just your article? But uh, initially, here I think a lot of people were surprised, but I think there were a lot of people that were. Uh, basically accepting the fact that, yeah, the, you know, I'm not surprised these, are, these, these, all these things were true. So uh, I'm going to give you the chance to kind of dive into it. And, 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 you know, because this was something that, like I said, was, was pretty controversial, but you know, then again, a lot of these things were not surprised that, that they were true. Yeah. There's a lot to get into in this article. And of course I didn't use every piece of information, every quote from the, from our source sources in this article. I, I, Took, I used direct quotes from our source and sources and did not use everything because there were, if anybody read this article and said this was way too harsh on certain things, boy, you would have loved the original full quotes, <laughs> which I, I thought would, would some of the things were obviously, I, I'm just going to go through the list here because there's a lot to get into, but number, number one, I want to address that a lot of the feedback was actually positive. I expected a lot more negative feedback just because you are attacking the core of this team that mm-hmm. I think Vanderbilt fans in general like the players on this team and they like the staff as people, uh, but the team just hasn't been successful. Um, and so the feedback for the most part was pretty positive, but number one, I saw a lot of things saying that, that our site, me and you, Billy, are looking for clicks and this is clickbait on a new site. I want everyone out there to know me and Billy don't make money from this. This is not our full time. Like we don't have a paywall. There is no ulterior motive out there. We enjoy doing this. We're passionate about it. Maybe one day you can accuse us of being clickbait. We are not there. That is not, that was not even in my thought writing this article. In my opinion, it would be a disservice to Vanderbilt fans to not write this article. And I think most Vanderbilt fans knew something was going on and know something is going on within that team. This offense should not be as bad as it is. I addressed that as far as statistics are concerned with the talent that they do have. But you can't have everything be positive. Obviously, there are going to be issues within a locker room if your offense is this bad. If you're 14th in the SEC, 121st out of 130 in offensive production in the entire FBS, have have any of these people saying this is just a load of crap, it's a nothing burger? Have you ever stepped foot in a locker room? 
it is almost impossible to unite a locker room on a championship level team. There's going to be dissension, issues with play calling, issues with personnel usage. But when it's on a good team, those things are kind of silenced and and, and very small subsects of a team. Mm -hmm. When you have a team that is two and four with a loss to an FCS program, the production that they've had thus far throughout the year, the outside noise coming in, there is going to be a rift in that locker room. So I, I kept seeing where people would say, players reached out or a player reached out saying that they don't feel that way about Joey Lynch. I'm like, okay, no shit. It's called a rift. <laughs> There's a split, meaning that portions of the locker room are a fan of the system that is in place. And there are portions of the locker room that are not. And that would be the definition of a split intention building. And I think the best way to do this is just kind of go through quotes. Cause I do want to get your thoughts on this, yeah. Billy. Um, and I do want to say one thing. I trust our source and sources. I fully do. Uh, there's a reason that they are remaining anonymous and we've not released those sources. Um, if you knew who the sources were, if I did release, you would say probably shouldn't have released that. So there we go. Um, but there's always the possibility that even though we did our best to confirm all of this information, that this is a small, small subsect that mm -hmm. has reached out and, right. and that we have been in communication with about this. That is a possibility. I don't believe that to be the case. Um, and I trust the source and what I wrote and I stand behind what I wrote until I've and proven wrong. I don't yeah. believe I will be proven wrong, but if I am, I will correct the article and adjust what I've said. And so we, I, I, yeah, we have, go ahead. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have put this out if, if, if we didn't think this was a, 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 no. a solidified source. Absolutely now, not. The, the idea of, you know, obviously there are players that disagree, you know, that's, that's obvious. I mean, we, we know that that happens. Mm -hmm. Like this is, I not, expected that. Th Absolutely. Yeah, this, this is not a, 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 you know, entire team agreement, but this is something that's going on with this team right now. And, and this was a source that, that, that we trusted. And I, you know, I, I want to get that out because, mm -hmm. you know, that that's a, it's something that happens in every type of report like this and you're going to see riffs. So um, I wanted to just get that out because, you know, we wouldn't have put this out bottom line if, if we didn't trust the source. Absolutely. And I want Vanderbilt football to succeed. I yes. have been at all of the stuff I've, I was at the UNLV loss. I was at the Temple game in 2014. I was at the UConn win recently. I was at the ETSU loss. I want this team to be successful. I am not putting, this was not put out by our site to stir the pot for no reason. This was put out because there are issues going on that need to be addressed within that locker room and public pressure is the best way to have this administration and staff address these issues. So that is why we put it out. Now let's get into the article and I want to hear your thoughts, Billy, because we didn't discuss this in great detail before I released it. So I'm actually genuinely curious on your <laughs> thoughts here. Um, so I'll just go ahead and give the direct quote. The entire offense is upset with Lynch's play calling. They work on short mid-range passing game all week and seldom use it. Cam Johnson and Ben Bresnahan in particular. The O-line is upset with the new blocking scheme and field coach Ross Amundo had a much better plan referring to the offensive line coach right. in 2020 that actually performed pretty well with the talent that he have on that, had on that roster. And Billy, this has been our complaint the entire year and the short mid-range passing game is non-existent. So this was just basically confirming a lot of things yeah. for us. That, that's why we didn't title this breaking news. It wasn't breaking right. news. It, it was a bombshell of the tension growing in the locker, but there was no breaking news. This was right. confirmation of issues that you can see from the outside. And now you're getting a deeper understanding of just how deep these problems go. And, and with the offensive line, Will, I go back to Clark Lee, uh, he retained Javon Hay. And Javon Hay was 
if I'm not mistaken, one of the only coaches that were retained uh, from, from the old staff. I could be completely wrong there, but Pete Rosamondo was a tremendous offensive line coach, and he was well-respected, not only in the SEC, across the nation. Now, where is he? He's at Will Healy. He's on Will Healy's staff at Charlotte, and that kind of points to the respect that, that he has across the country, and he could, have been, he could have gone off to a D1 school as well. So with the offensive line there, I go to that issue, and I point a little bit. I'm not saying this is the main issue there, but they loved Pete Rosamondo, that entire group. And I know they returned three different offensive linemen. That should, you know, we all thought we were talking about that as a positive and saying, oh, we got three new offensive linemen coming back. This should be a positive for this team. But I think a lot of that is, yes, A.J. Blazik is a new coach. He's a new guy. He's a new face from North Dakota State. And he's he's a good coach. I'm not, I'm not putting this on, on A.J. Blazik, but for a new coach to come in and, and completely change everything, that is going to create rifts and that's going to create challenges. And so I, I'm, I'm with the quote there. I mean, that, I, I'm not surprised there. Uh, there are some issues there. Now that may not be every single offensive lineman, but this happens in every locker room. This happens in every team. And I think that's what the offensive line issues kind of point to the fact that they had a lot of respect for Rosamondo. Now you get coach Blazek coming in with his new ideals and, and that happens. Yeah, and and I mean the offensive line this year. This is this is another point. Is I was quoting straight from this source and then giving my thoughts on the quote, and I didn't necessarily agree with all of the gripes that that were given by our source and sources. Uh, and this is one of the cases. I didn't include a lot of this in the article. There was a ton of information in there. I tried to do my best to be objective on all sides. The offensive line this year has been middle of the pack in the SEC. Mm-hmm. We can complain that we have seen pressure, but actual charted pressure. They're top, a top half performing SEC line in SEC. So all this garbage about the offensive line, yes, they've had trouble creating holes. They've had trouble finishing the red zone. But the offensive line is not the reason this offense is not successful. They're not the issue. And, and maybe it's the scheme and why the offense is so bad, and that's allowing the offensive line to not show their issues. But they're, they're performing middle of the pack right now. And, and with, with Vanderbilt, where they are, and they've played Georgia and Florida, two, the two best defensive lines they'll play this entire season. Right. The, and, and they've already faced them. Granted, there were four out-of-conference games. But their statistics are not bad. Now, their running game, they haven't been able to open up holes consistently mm-hmm. and the red zone struggled. But the actual pass protection has not been that awful. Yes. The short and mid-range passing game has been something that we've touched on a lot. But moving on in this article, mm-hmm. uh, the, the most shocking quote in this whole, whole article was about Clark Lee and a possible kind of issues that he's having with Joey Lynch and what Mm -hmm. is happening on Saturdays as opposed to what they're seeing during the week and the quote in quote Lee is very short with Lynch more and more each week and Lynch is showing signs of stress to the offense and I think we saw some of that Billy in a press conference when Clark Lee directly said we have to be more creative on offense we can't just hand off inside zone every time and that was a pretty shocking comment from a coach you don't, usually, yeah. you don't usually see coaches openly criticize the play calling of their offensive coordinator and and i agree mm-hmm. with clark lee that was a a valid valid criticism from him that obviously opponents are recognizing how how predictable this play right. calling is and so with, oh, go with ahead, joey, i'll jump in here well with joey lynch um i want to point to again similar to aj blazik he wasn't necessarily the most proven of offensive coordinators and you could you know, Andy Ludwig was a proven offensive coordinator. Right now, this offense, and we've talked about it, we talked about it last episode, this offense is performing better than this season. 
You know, this offense is no, this performing offense, worse. This all yeah. yes, worse. This offense last season with Andy Ludwig is performing better than this season. That's what I'm trying to say. And we've talked about that. We we've talked about that multiple times. And that was something that that we learned against ETSU. And we said, okay, there are issues here. There there is a there is something going on that we are not aware of. Uh, that you know we wouldn't be surprised to hear. And and talking about the riffs, but well, Joey Lynch. Uh, he was named the quarterback coach. Let, let's get that. And passing here. game was, coordinator. Yes, quarterback went, coach and passing game coordinator. Yes, that's his title coming into Vanderbilt. And David mm-hmm. Rye was the offensive coordinator. So I think initially we all should have been, you know, suspicious of things like this when Clark Lee ended up uh, transferring that title over to Joey Lynch. And that, I, I think we, we we glanced over that and said, okay, you know, wh- wh- whatever. That, But that doesn't happen. That, that, that doesn't typically happen, especially uh, that close to, I think that was before the ETSU game or maybe after, uh, yeah, leading up to the ETSU mm-hmm. game. That was when it happened. So that, but apparently, you know, that he made the switch right, right after the first week of fall camp. And that's, that's not a good sign. So I think a lot of this will is yes, Joey Lynch has, uh, has struggled with, with his new role uh, as expected. I mean, he came in here expecting to be the quarterback coach and passing game coordinator, not, not necessarily calling the plays um but that you haven't seen any creativity and that's what we've been hankering for uh for the past three four five weeks ever since that etsu game so for me will i'm again that's another quote that i look at and i say no surprise i mean that's not you know that's not a shocker and i think often oftentimes the head coach and the offensive coordinator are they're meeting every day and they're talking and but you, you can understand that type of quote from Clark, from Clark Lee. But again, I don't think a lot of us expected to see something like that from Clark Lee. So I'm, I'm, I'm with that quote. And, and, and I think a lot of Andy fans weren't necessarily surprised to hear that. Uh, but for Joey Lynch, man, I mean, it, yes, he's in a tough spot, but boy, he, it, it made it, the way this offense is played. It see, it's, it's making him seem like he doesn't have any experience calling plays. That's what I think has shocked a lot of Andy fans. Yeah. The, I think if Clark Lee could go back and do it all over again, he would hire an experienced offensive coordinator because this entire staff is inexperienced and he hired an NFL wide receiver. Yes. Ranks. And he hired Joey Lynch, who had one year of experience as an offensive coordinator at Colorado State. And that for a former defensive coordinator who's moving into his first head coaching role at an SEC program, there's a reason you don't see that. And there's a reason you don't see offensive coordinators move from from a program like Colorado State right. to Vanderbilt or any other, really SEC is specifically different, but just Power Five in general, because the coaching and schemes and talent and athletes and it's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Week in, week out, it is a whole different ball game than playing a one-off game because right. teams can adjust to what you are doing a lot better. You have the best defensive minds mm-hmm. in all of football in the SEC, <laughs> and that's obviously going to create issues for you. But I think we did gl- just kind of glaze over that change because I think they came in, in my mind, they were co-offensive coordinators to begin with. So when the play calling duties got handed from the, quote, un- official offensive coordinator to Which Joey Lynch. you don't Lynch, see that very often either. No, that was... offensive coordinator. Yeah, there, there, there was funky things going on with that from the beginning. Right, and, yes. and obviously, Clarkley knows he's made a mistake. And I think I'm just afraid of the sunk cost fallacy in investments. Where I put this, I put this much money into project into a project. I've put a million dollars into this project. It sucks. It's not doing anything. But I've already put a million dollars into it. So I'm going to use that to calculate my return on this investment and whether or not I should keep pouring money into this. Or what you were supposed to do is not look at your previous investment, 
which in this case is this season. And at the end of the year, just say, it's time to start fresh and evaluate who I would hire if I was starting fresh right now. Yes. And there's a 0% chance Coach David Rye and Coach Joey Lynch are hired if it happens after this season. Yes. So and there's, and, there's a lot of, there's a lot of proven offensive coordinators out there that I think, you know, we've talked about the, no, no one necessarily wanting the Vanderbilt offensive coordinator job, but there are guys out there that are proven and even more proven than a guy like Joey Lynch and David Ride that will take that job. And, and we talked about it last podcast. Will this is going to be a defining stretch here for Clark Lee the next year or so to, to see if he goes out and finds an offensive coordinator and, and a, and a, a proven one who can come in and take control of the offense, unlike two unproven guys and a former NFL receivers coach and a guy that was at Colorado State for half a season. So, yes, Clark Lee, that, that, that was a mistake, and he knows that. And so, you know, this is it's going to be a big next year. And, and, and to see if, if there's a guy out there that will come in and take the job um, and, and take control of that offense, and especially the quarterback room, which we'll, we'll be talking about as well. Yeah, I hope the offense comes out against South Carolina and just blows yeah. the barn doors off and is unstoppable and puts up 500 yards. And That's the I'm thing like, well, obviously will. the tension wasn't too bad. I didn't want any of this information. I, okay. I felt obligated to share it, but I hate this narrative right now that is, in my opinion, true that there is a split because I like the idea of a, of a united locker room and Clark Lee was able to unite this already divided locker room. And that just, I think the out, they've done a good job of shaping the outside perspective in that way, but clearly there are underlying issues. And I think we could talk about this for a long time, Billy, but I yes. do want to get yeah, to a portion going? here uh, about, about a portion of the article I really debated putting in, which was the quotes directly about Will Shepard. Um, because me and you specifically do not like criticizing individual guys, individual players. Me and you specifically make a point to never say this guy sucks or this guy stinks. Because I always say there's a big difference between how I talk about professional athletes in the NFL and how I talk about college athletes. If I say Taylor Lewan, I don't believe this, but Taylor Lewan yes. for the Tennessee Titans, he sucks. He's bad. I say he is as a player bad. When I'm discussing a player like Will Shepard or Ben Bresnahan, I say they played poorly or they are playing bad because they are not professional athletes. They're developing, they're growing. There's no telling how talented these and, and, and how much better three, four years. So those quotes I really debated putting in because I didn't want to create friction within that locker room. Mm -hmm. But once again, it, it's from a source and sources. I wanted to be objective and completely transparent yeah. as to what the information I was receiving. And I, and I think people criticized me putting that in there. And I basically, you didn't read what I wrote. If you think that was the point of the story. Yes. And what I liked about it, Will, I, oh, go ahead. what I liked about it, Will, is the fact that under those quotes, you said, we, I've, li I've liked Will Shepard. I've always liked Will Shepard as a player. And I completely agree with you on that. And, and Will Shepard is a guy that, yes, he has talent. But the issue here was the evaluation of him and how the coaching staff, they mm -hmm. had their more That was the entire overarching, that was the yes. overarching point, was, yes. was this specific situation creating disruption in the locker room because they had a policy and they didn't stick to yes. it. Yes, and this wasn't necessarily knocking Will Shepard. This was more on the coaching staff and their handling of Will Shepard and his evaluation because they had their earn it policy. And apparently, according to this source, Vanderbilt bypassed that, their coaching staff did, and they, and you know, we're pointing at Joey Lynch here, he wants Will Shepard to get a lot of touches. And we're not necessarily opposed to that, but for Will Shepard, you know, 
he's got other guys around him. He's got Cam Johnson. He's got Chris Pierce. And again, I hate going at the guy and I never would. We, we never do, like you said, but for, for Will Shepard in this offense, you know, his role ha has been, you know, ha has been talked about and has been controversial at times. Um, you know, not saying he shouldn't get any touches, but you've got Cam Johnson, Red Bresnahan, who have not gotten nearly enough touches, even Chris Pierce at times. And, you know, you've seen Devin Body also get a lot of touches as well. So I think a lot of this revolves around the amount of touches that certain guys are getting and certain guys are not getting. And that's what we're pointing at here. This is not an attack against Will Shepard himself. This is an attack on the offensive scheme and where it's going and where it might be headed. And that was all this was. So, um, well, hopefully that that's, that's it. Again, this is a deep dive on it. Um, I know you had a little bit on Cam Johnson here, and he's a guy that, you know, we've talked about a lot. Um, and I, I love the guy. He, he's a Nashville kid. He went to Brentwood Academy. Um, he's done a lot for this university. But I, I, I'm speaking for a lot of people. I think we expected a similar type, all SEC season potentially from this guy. I mean, he came in here as a senior, his fourth year in this offense, and I think a lot of people expected him to shine and, and to blow up. And, and when you don't see it, 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 there's some questions to be asked, not about him personally, but about this staff and how they're using him. And that's what we're pointing to here, Will. So again, I want to give credit to you again uh, on this piece. And, and, and I think you did a great job. And, and, you know, for people saying that, you know, I mean, two weeks ago, Will, we, we had people tagging. We were sunshine pumpers two weeks ago, and now we're now we're releasing stuff that's too negative and detrimental yeah, so to the team. I don't know what Vinny I said. We are just are giving objective opinions based on what we see. And I don't think people are used to that specifically in Vanderbilt sports media, because my complaint, why I joined this podcast is that Vanderbilt media coverage, for the most part, is not not in-depth and critical enough and they don't talk about things like fans talk about things and yes. they don't discuss in depth the issues the same way that other sec media just in general covering a team covers vanderbilt is not the same as it yes. is at even mississippi state i do and want to go back and just say one thing about shepherd okay because i had one more thing to say there we is go. i don't want this to come out as i don't think shepherd should be on the field but it is abnormal to have an entire receiver group returning, okay? The exact same guys. And a guy comes in that was basically just not on the field the previous season and now leads the league in tar or leads the team in targets. And you've replaced those. There's only so many targets that can go around. And Cam mm -hmm. Johnson's not has been, unfortunately, the player kind of left out. He only has 30 targets, ranking fourth on the team. That is just the offensive system not getting him the ball. And the overarching point of this article was not about Will Shepard. It was not about Cam Johnson. It was not about Devin Body Jr. And if you read the entire article, you see that. There were two points, which is the A, the offense being too complicated. And that shows in Will Shepard not executing the routes properly. Because mm -hmm. if there's still miscommunication six games into the season, halfway through, that's not everyone should know the offense and, and know their positions. And if they are not executing, running the wrong routes, it's on your offense because these guys don't want to go out there and not execute plays. They want to succeed. He wants to put up numbers. And I hope he receives catches for 150 yards this Saturday and be the play calling the by guy. Lynch has. And this is the second point of this article is Lynch's play calling has frustrated fans, the players and Clark Lee. And I think that is the biggest thing of this article is it confirmed what we have been talking about, which is the gripes about his 
is bad, bad offensive play calling, complacent offensive game plan, lack of imagination and creativity. It's not just us on the outside. Players yes. feel it. Coaches feel it. Everyone feels it. So those were the two overarching points. And if people want to pick and cherry pick different quotes of, of what the source said, that is not what the source was getting at. That's not what the sources were getting at. And that's not what I was getting at in the article. So I'm glad we got to do a deep dive into that before we went into the South Carolina game. Yes. And Will, these are the answers. These are only some of the answers that Vandy fans needed at this point in the season. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt fans were looking for answers. They're saying, what's wrong with this offense? What's wrong with, with the communication and the organization? Well, there's a lot wrong. And we mm -hmm. want to point that out. We want to help fans. This is a Vanderbilt. This is a podcast by Vanderbilt fans for Vanderbilt fans. And yep. we are. This is. We are for the fans. We want to help the fans as much as we can. You stole. But you stole also, bar stools by the common man for the common man. Yes, I kind of. I kind of like it by uh, the we'll, by the Vanderbilt fans for the Vanderbilt. And and also we like we love the university. Like and Vanderbilt fans are passionate. And I tweeted. I quote tweeted your, your piece, and I said. This is this. Yes, there are issues with the offense, but this more revolves around Vanderbilt's passionate fan base and their eagerness to see Clark Lee succeed. I love I and, love seeing it. I, I The negative, positive, whatever it is, if you're commenting that you hate what I wrote or you're commenting, you love what I wrote or you hate what we tweeted, you love it either way, because love and hate are the two sides of the same coin. You can't have people that love it without people that hate it. That just means there's passion. There's a yes. desire for this team to yes. be successful. And we all want the same end result. I don't think that that me and you, I don't think that there's any reason an why, we're not, why we, we're not Paul Kaharski gets accused a lot of times with the Titans of being negative just for the sake of being negative. I will never be negative just to come out and be negative. Now I view things from a glass half empty perspective. You view them from a glass yes. half full perspective. So obviously my takes are going to be a little bit cr more critical and more yes. harsh, but yeah. I'm not just going to come on here and randomly create tension just to stir the pot for clicks. Because like I said, this is not I mean, this is not our source of income. We yep. are doing this because we are passionate about it. And we believe that Vanderbilt fans want something to cling on to where they can discuss the details of this <clears> team with a like-minded group of people and and bring up talking points and discussion points so yes there's no clickbait related to this article no no i don't know if you saw that saw the show on netflix this is not clickbait this is no. nothing this is nothing <laughs> to that extent but will again credit to you and uh if you if you haven't seen the piece log on to our site doorreport.com it is up there it's still up there the doorreport.com uh, the doorreport.com yes. and uh and and will again great job and, and we'll continue to uh, that'll that'll be kind of the the focus. We'll go back to that that article uh, constantly throughout this season and and throughout uh, this episode as well. But uh, we'll see we'll see where this goes and we'll see where this offense goes. Will all right? Let's get into the South Carolina preview now. Uh, but I do have one piece to hit on before we do that. Carter Hawkins will there's some baseball piece and I, I I don't know how deeply you've looked into this story, but it's an awesome story. And it's a good, it's a feel good Vandy baseball story. And, and I think it's one that a lot of Vandy fans needed at this point uh, in the season, in the football season. But Carter Hawkins, he was Tim Corbin's first ever baseball recruit back in 2002. Now he's the general manager of the Chicago Cubs. And it's an incredible story. Uh, he played catcher at Vandy from 04 to 07. He ended up working in the Indians office, uh, front office for 14 years. Uh, before joining Chicago, and he earned it, Will. And and I tweeted out, the Vandy boys uh, family runs deep, and, and boy, do they. They've got three guys in the postseason right now, Dansby Swanson, Walker Bueller, and David Price. Uh, and now you see uh, uh, 
Corbin's first ever recruit. Uh, I love it. And, and it's something, it, it just keeps reminding you, Vandy boys are, they're a powerful brand and they keep growing. So I wanted to get that out before we, we dive into the preview. The tentacles of Vanderbilt baseball and the Vandy boys are everywhere. I, it's yep. amazing <laughs> to see what Tim Corbin has done. He is, he is, I say this and people kind of scoff. But he's turned Vanderbilt into the Alabama of college baseball. Yes. They they basically are the university that you discuss as having so many major league players and so much broad reach as far as influence on the major league game. It's the cool place. It's, it's crazy to think about what, what Tim Corbin has been able to do there. And the program was never bad, but it certainly was nothing even remotely no. close. And it just gives you a little bit of hope obviously college baseball is much much different than college football or college basketball but it can be done it can yes. be done if you get the right people in with the right support at the right time it can be done at vanderbilt just like it can be done anywhere across the country so pointing to that as a path to success i don't think football will ever be able to get to that level but pointing to that kind of and i think that's what clark lee is trying to do has it been successful so far absolutely not but you can see the path he is trying to travel um, alongside what Tim Corbin has done. Yes, and I think his relationship with Corbin, it, it can't do anything else but help, but help that program. And, and we'll see. Clark's got a long road ahead, just like Tim Corbin did. I mean, he, he didn't – his first college World Series appearance was 2011. He started at Vandy in 2002. So, uh, you know, we, we never usually compare baseball and football, but, but that's the trajectory uh, right now. Well, let's preview South Carolina. Vanderbilt travels to Columbia – uh, on Saturday, tomorrow, Vandy is two and four. South Carolina is three and three. The Gamecocks are 18 point favorites in this one. You can watch at four o'clock Eastern time at SEC Network. Vandy's coming off a 42-0 loss at Florida. And the Gamecocks are coming off a 45-20 beat down at Tennessee. So both these teams, they're beat up. They've been through a lot, but there's gonna be, you're going to see some passion. You're going to see some teams that are just hungry. And they want, they'll do anything they can uh, to get this win some notes here, Will, on the matchup. South Carolina leads the all-time series 26-4. to The Gamecocks have won 12 straight over Vandy. And last year, South Carolina dominated Vanderbilt 41-0. And Kevin Harris, the running back, ran wild. Uh, nearly 200 yards, 171 uh, yards, two touchdowns. And, Will, interesting note here. I want to throw it back to, you know, you could say, quote-unquote, the glory days, at least the beginning for Vandy football. Vanderbilt won in Columbia in 2007. That was the last time they won in Columbia. DJ Moore had two interceptions. Oh, yeah. in that one. So that, that's kind of where we're at with, with the last time Vanderbilt beat South Carolina on the road. Uh, it, boy, if, if Mahoney or Jerkins or one of those guys could have a performance like DJ Moore, we'll see what could happen. But, uh, well, I want to point to last week for South Carolina. We'll, uh, we'll dive into it. But South Carolina gave up 472 yards of offense. And this defense is not, they're not in a great spot right now. Uh, but Tennessee's offense is up there with statistically one of the best in the country. Uh, but offensively for South Carolina, they put up 370 yards of their own. So this, there was a lot of points in that one, not a lot of defense. Uh, the Gamecocks had 153 rushing yards. But in this game, Will, I expect that number to increase with, with him going up against a Vanderbilt defense that has struggled at times with, with big chunk plays offensively in the run game. Uh, you know, I talked about Kevin Harris. He, he dominated Vanderbilt last year. So it's tough to see how this defense is, is, you know, can contain him. I'm not saying they can't. We know Clark Lee is going to put up the guest, best game plan he can defensively against him. Uh, but I think this will come down to Luke Doty, Gamecocks quarterback, and how much he can get going in the passing game. So, well, those are some of the notes. And uh, this is, 
I get, you know, this is the toilet bowl for this year in the SEC. And, and you know, Missouri is, is down there as well. But from our perspective, we've, I think we both agree upon these, these two teams are, are, are down there in the basement of the SEC, no doubt. I mean, it's undeniable. Just every statistical category is they are bottom of the SEC in a tier of their own. I mean, the battle of the bad, the toilet bowl, whatever you want to call it. You've got the two worst offenses in the conference by a lot. I mean, only two yeah. offenses. They're the only two offenses in the conference with below a 40% success rate. And they're sitting at 37% for South Carolina and 33% slash 34% for Vandy. Mm -hmm. So success rate is successful plays that gain yardage and are executed well. Um, and, and that's a very low number. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's crazy how low. Vanderbilt's averaging 309 yards per game. South Carolina, 331, 14th and 13th. Passing yards per game, 195 for Vanderbilt, they're 14th. Rush yards per game for Vanderbilt, they're 12th with 113. Yards per pass attempt, 4.7 for Vanderbilt, 14th. Next closest is Texas A&M with wow. six yards per passing attempt, which is a big gap. That's... Yards per run, they're sitting with 3.6, 14th in the SEC. Next closest is Mississippi State, who runs the Mike Leach pass-happy spread offense with 4.14 yards per rush wow. attempt. So they're falling below a team that literally prides themselves on barely running the football. And Vandy's yards per play, which is the key issue that came out against Florida and the idea of Vanderbilt at one point had run 70 plays with zero points versus yeah. Florida, who had run 48, and they had 42 points on the scoreboard. It's crazy. Vanderbilt's only averaging 4.28 yards per play for 14th in the SEC. South Carolina is not much better. They're 13th, averaging 5.17, but still a, almost a yard per play better. South Carolina runs a lot of that quick yardage passing game type stuff. So like you said, that, their quarterback there, Doty, it's going to come down to his decision-making, and it's going to come down when we get to our things to watch and key things to watch throughout the game. This Vanderbilt defense is going to have to step up. And South Carolina definitely showed that regardless of this being deemed the toilet bowl, this is probably Vanderbilt's best chance at an SEC victory for the first time since, uh, what, 2019? Yeah, yeah, that's, 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 that sounds about right. And, and Will, you could see some offense in this one. You can, you can see a display of offense, and, and we'll see what both these teams come up with offensively. But, Will, before we get to the three things to watch, you know, South Carolina has had an interesting quarterback situation, just like Vanderbilt. And, and boy, our fans in for a treat on Saturday. Uh, you know, we, we're not getting that at all. Uh, but the thing about South Carolina, Will, is they started with a grad, grad assistant coach as their quarterback for the first year. Now they have – um, a, a healthy Luke Doty. So that's the key. And, and you will get to our three things to watch here, but that's going to be interesting to watch as well. Well, let's get to it. Three things to watch. I know we, um, I haven't even looked at yours. I think this is a better idea to do it. Not even, you know, yeah, kind of blind, 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 <laughs> blindly going at it here, but I'm going to start with, can Vandy create takeaways? And they did against Florida. They did. Now it didn't create the best field position, but Deshaun Jerkins and Elijah McAllister both had picks their first career picks. And I think at the beginning of the season, we said for this team, if they can create some takeaways, this offense is good enough to carry them into the end zone after that. But you didn't see much of that. And we haven't seen much of that. So uh, I think, well, this defense last week, they did all they could to, to, to create momentum for this offense, but the offense couldn't cash in. So I think Vandy will, and this could be an idiotic take, but I think they have a legit, a legit shot to beat South Carolina if, it's a big if, if, they can create takeaways, but not just takeaways. The offense must carry that momentum over 
given to them by the defense. And that has, that has been Coach Lee's talking point, complimentary football. And we hear about that a lot as coach speak, but that reigns true with this team. I mean, they, they have yet to play four quarters of complimentary football. And if they can this weekend, South Carolina is beatable. And, and I, I think they've got a shot. But again, they have to, there's a lot of ifs there. So, Will, if they can create takeaways by anyone, I don't care who it is, if Ethan Barr can find an interception, if Judy Lolly, anybody, Alan George goes in there, if they can create any sort of takeaways and, you know, kind of push push the offense in the back a little bit and say, hey, let's get going, I think they have a shot. But, again, that's a big if. So, uh, that's my number one. Can Vandy create takeaways? You said Vandy has a shot against South Carolina there, Billy. I, I, we didn't even touch on this. I I that line the fact south carolina i believe right now they're sitting at they're sitting at a 19 and a half point favorite south carolina should not be a 19 and a half point favorite over Over an fcs program they are awful and vandy's bad they're awful they're both bad i don't it's just the name vanderbilt having the cachet this year because they lost to etsu in week one south carolina has been equally as bad okay they've been just as bad yeah, they have been just as bad as Vanderbilt. So I just want to put that out there um, before I get into my key one. And key one is creating pressure and disruption. They haven't done it all season, but South Carolina is an opportunity for that defensive line to redeem itself in a winnable SEC game. South Carolina leads the SEC in negative plays with 43. For example, as much as Vanderbilt's offense has struggled, they're actually sixth in the SEC with 31. Uh, they also have the second highest sack percentage, only behind Tennessee. By the way, hammer Ole Miss, hammer it. It hammer. is the dumbest. It Potty is the toddy. dumbest. It is the dumbest <laughs> Vegas line. I will go on record right what now. Is that? May, What's that line? It is mine. At one point, it was minus two and a half for Ole Miss, Ole Miss? which that's, Ole Miss is a two crazy. and a half point favorite. Which hammer I mean, I I have never in my line life looked at a line. I was like sixteen points off what I thought that line would be. So I don't I, know what Vegas I, is doing. I put Maybe a lot they know that. Will. Oh, I have an unfortunate amount. I may have to come on and apologize to Tennessee fans, which I never want to have to do. But I'm saying hammer Ole Miss because I am as well. Um, But they have the second highest sack percentage uh, with 8.62% of plays. And Vanderbilt's also not terrible there. When I dug into this, I was actually shocked at a lot of the statistics related to pressure and sacks for Vanderbilt. Um, Vanderbilt's uh, actually ranked sixth in the conference, 4.4%. So this defensive line, even though they had no sacks last week against Florida, um, they did play a little bit better, I would say, and they have an opportunity this week to prove that they are not that they are not as bad as they have shown throughout this year, and that they can live up to those expectations right. that we had going into the season. I'm with you, and um, you know, again, if 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 that D line can can get a semblance of pressure, just like the takeaways, again, that pushes Vanderbilt to a closer shot of this game. So. I'm with you there, Will. I'm going to go number two here with a guy that we <laughs> – I thought it was hilarious on Twitter. We said Patrick Smith for Heisman. But the way he played, you know, that, if he can do that, that gives Vanderbilt another shot. So my question for number two is can Patrick Smith create a spark once again? And, and he set a career high of 75 rushing yards at Florida. And in SEC play, Will, here's a stat for you, Mr. Stat. He ranks second among the league's freshmen in rushing yards per game at 44. Now – he hasn't had as many carries as, as you know, a, a lot of those guys, but that's, that's kind of an eye popping number. And, and if he could keep that going, um, that that'll give this offense some momentum, obviously South Carolina will be prepared for him due to what they saw on the Florida film. I mean, it's, if Shane Beamer doesn't prepare for him, that that'll be uh, a huge mistake, but I'll be interested to see if he plays with the same type of juice and intensity that he brought in Gainesville. And, and 
well, there, there wasn't much room at all during most of those runs. We, we saw it at the fumbled snap. He ended up gaining seven, eight yards on that one. And, and he was creating his own momentum for the offense. And boy, do they need more people like that. If, if Vanderbilt can find a, a few more guys like, like Pat, and if he can run hard and create more opportunities, that'll, that'll open up some of the read option play calls. So I think, I think he'll give Vandy a, a kickstart. And um, I think they'll, I, I think this offense will, will feed off of him just like they did against Florida. But again, that, that that's also hindering on the O-line how many, but for Patrick, he doesn't need creases. He just, he just runs it and give him the ball. So, so uh, again, Patrick Smith is my second key. Yeah. I think I would have, I, that's definitely a key, and I thought about it. I actually did see that key of yours. I read yours. Oh, I cheated <laughs> um, because I usually we usually have pretty similar keys, so I had to make sure I wasn't just going to run down through the list. But my key was actually not Patrick Smith. It was to watch the the split in the backfield because what I saw on the depth chart is Rocco Griffin is still the starter and Patrick Smith is the backup, yes. um, which I don't necessarily agree with. I would rather see the explosive playmaking ability of Patrick Smith, especially this week against the South Carolina team that is – Let's just say they give up a lot of rushing yards. They gave up uh, 250 yards rushing to They got dominated by Tennessee. Yeah. It's not the passing game, um, which, which may be good for Vanderbilt, but it all comes down to the offensive line. And so for my key two, it's not Patrick Smith, but it is explosive plays. Vanderbilt is dead last, and it's not close. Vanderbilt only has 32 explosive plays all year, and that is only wow. second – Oh, it's actually third. What, what does that mean? Explosive plays when you say that? It would be explosive plays. I believe it's 15 plus yard plays. So plays okay. that move the ball down the field in a, an exceptional amount. <laughs> okay. So 15 plus yards, I believe, right. or 10 plus. I don't know exactly how it defines it, but it's a metric. It's a deep S&P metric stat. So, so they're at the bottom. They are at the bottom is basically what I'm saying in explosive plays. They have 32 on the year. Mississippi State has 30, but Mississippi State runs less plays than Vanderbilt. So they actually have a higher percentage of explosive right. plays. Um, and, and this also goes into the first quarter and these have to happen early. Vanderbilt is averaging 69 yards per game in the first quarter. Nice. But there are only four <laughs> other teams in the sec under hundred yards per game in the first quarter. And there's none below 80. That is crazy wow. to think about how poorly this offense is, has performed. If you thought the stats I was reading off were bad for the entire game, you should go on to secstatcap.com and dig into those first quarter stats because my God, it's amazing. (laughs) Because the offense in quarters two and three and four isn't good by any stretch, but they're not that bad. Where it all comes down to is Vanderbilt digs a hole in that first quarter and they can't get out of it. It happened against ETSU. They dug out of it against UConn and Colorado State, but they, they of course aren't gonna be able to do that against any SEC opponent. So South Carolina, even with how poorly they've performed this year, they have to start early, start successfully, and hopefully we can see an actual explosive play in that first quarter. I'd love to see uh, the offensive script for South Carolina. Uh, I, I'd love to, I'd love to see, we, we'll never get our hands on one, but boy, it's gonna be interesting to see how much they might shift offensively, especially with, um, you know, the obvious displeasure with Joey Lynch. So, and, and what the offense is doing. So we'll, let's roll in here. This has been a long segment one, but let's recap with our third key. And, and I'm going to start with the offense and finishing drives. And we talked about that against Florida and it's obvious they, they, the reason they didn't score, they, they couldn't finish drives. They were dry. They were dry. They matched Florida in yards in the first half over 200 yards. And if this offense sputters on drives again, this weekend, they don't have a puncher's chance. They just don't. And, and the offense, they showed what they're capable of in the first half against Florida. We know what they're capable of. And, I, you know, 
but for them to go out there and do it, that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother step. So, and, and again, well, they matched Florida's yards in the first half. I think most Vandy fans would love to see a lot more creativity. This is obvious from Joey Lynch on offense, especially in scoring position. You can't be relying on Joseph Bulavis to make kicks again against an SEC team. That's not going to win you games in this conference. I'm not saying that as a slight to Joseph Bulavis. We love the guy. He's big like Joe. But touchdowns are, are what you need in this conference and, and not field goals. Now, touchdowns are what you need against Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Ole Miss, but I think they could squeak by with a couple of his field goals. But in the fourth quarter, you got to score touchdowns. You have to. And there can't be any conservativeness with this offense. There just can't. So with that being said, Bolivis also has to hit field goals, but you can't be relying on that. You can't be, okay, we'll set Joe up for a field goal here, but that sets you behind the eight ball. So, Will, can this offense finish drives? I don't have the answers. You don't have the answers. I don't know if anyone does, but bottom line is, Will, they need to have a guy step up and make a play. That, that's that's the bottom line. Go out there and make a play, and we'll see if they can. Um, and if they can't, they're, they're not going to beat South Carolina. I mean, to win this game against South Carolina, Vanderbilt's going to have to score their first SEC touchdown of the year. They are. If, if they don't score a touchdown against South Carolina, South Carolina is going to cover that insane spread if they don't score a single touchdown. Um, so let's just put that out there right now. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a pretty obvious fact. As I choke on my own my own spit right there, but my my key number three is as a whole. How is this team going to respond to everything? Um, it, it's not just one thing. How is this team going to respond to what happened last week against Florida? There is a very key Vanderbilt player that will not be suiting up on Saturday. How will the team respond to that? Um, there, the USA Today Network predictions. Every single one predicted a South Carolina win, even with South Carolina being 0-3 in conference. So there is a lot of outside noise. Obviously, our article, players see it. That's a lot of controversy, could create tension. There's outside noise on Twitter, social media. They put up zero points against Florida. They kind of get screwed over. And then you create even more tension related to this stuff leaking out. And then you're also going to say that on the outside, everybody expects Vanderbilt to get dominated by the 13th out of 14 team in the SEC in South Carolina. And that has to be bulletin board material for them. I mean, there's no other way to put it to unite a team. It's easiest to have a common enemy. Even if you don't get along, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And so that is how this team has to look. Even at this point, they have to put aside their differences of this scheme because you're not going to fire your offensive coordinator in the middle of the year. So make the best of it with what you have right now. Don't look forward to next season and come out and prove everyone wrong that you are good enough to beat an SEC opponent. We haven't seen it in a long time. We didn't see it last year. We haven't seen this group of guys win an SEC game yet. We just haven't. They were. They, I, I look at the rosters as 2019 is a completely different team from 2020 yeah. because it was a ton of turnover. You lost. Mm-hmm. That, that was then the Vaughn Pink, Yeah, the Vaughn Pinkney and Lipscomb era was over after 2019. Is kind of how I view it. And they haven't won a game. So what have you shown me lately? And mm-hmm. I want to. And when we were about to get into predictions, I want to predict yeah. a win so badly. But. What have you shown me lately, Bill? Exactly. And, and we've been, you know, we've tried to try to be as positive we can on, on predictions, but you know, it, that's what it comes down to. And what have you done for me lately? And, and Will, I'm, I'm excited for every game, but I'm really excited to see how this team responds and, and to see how they take, take this, you know, whatever, losing to Florida and everything going on, take that and use that as a uniting factor. And you just touched on that and, and we'll see. It's going to be really interesting. 
All right, well, let's let's predict this game. And and this is I, it's hard predicting games, you know, for this season. It's been hard. It was hard last year, but I think the bottom line is I haven't seen this offense perform. <laughs> like you just haven't. So I, I pick South Carolina 28, Vanderbilt 10. The scoring outputs of these SEC teams have been just decreasing. I guess that's good news. <laughs> you lost to Georgia 62 nothing. You lost to Florida 42 nothing. I don't think South Carolina puts up uh, the amount of points that Florida did. I think they put up four touchdowns. I think they score on Vanderbilt's defense. Um, but we'll also, South Carolina is pissed off. Again, Vanderbilt gets a pissed off opponent on the road. And I think Shane Beamer, I think he's going to have his guys ready to play. Shane Beamer cannot lose this game. Um, now, Clark Lee, you know, if he loses this game, it's, it's, you know, the excuse is, hey, we're still building. This is a work in progress. But for Shane Beamer, and that fan base, they're not going to be happy with him. So there's a lot of pressure on him and his team. I think that could be a positive factor for Vandy, uh, but we'll see. I think it's, I think Kevin Harris is just – I think he's just going to be too much. I mean, he ran all over Vandy last season. I could also, though, Will, I could also see a scenario where Vandy finds a way to keep it close. Now, I, I'm not going to go that way in my prediction, but, you know, with the state of this program, it's just hard to find any sort of victory. You know, you could say the – the Florida game was a moral victory. It's really hard saying that, um, but especially against an SEC team, Will, it's hard to find a victory right now. Uh, again, they return home to play Missouri uh, next game, so we'll see. But I'm going to go South Carolina 28, Vandy 10. I think Vandy finds a way to score, which is tough even saying uh, at this point, and I think Bolivis makes a field goal, but um, I just, you know, at this point, I think a lot of fans don't trust the offense, so I'm going to go South Carolina 28, Vandy 10. I have wrestled with this score prediction because I can see this being like a seven to three final score. I legitimately can just because of how bad these offenses are. I mean, they are dead last 14th and 13th and almost every, every single stat you can find these offenses are dead last. Now the defenses are also not very good. And that is the, that is, has been the struggle is what's worse going into every game. Um, but and obviously against in the UConn game, it seemed kind of a mix, but there were more points scored because we kind of said the same thing going in. What's worse? Mm -hmm. And in this situation, I just think what these defenses struggle with for the most part on both sides, uh, South Carolina cannot stop the run. Statistically, all, all year, they're a 12th in the conference, right? They're worse than Vanderbilt at stopping the run. Mm -hmm. um, they are giving up 200 or 221 yards per yep. game on the ground. Um, and Vanderbilt, I think, is going to be able to come out and have success. And I think that offensive line, for the first time, you're going to see some holes opened up. And I think Vanderbilt's going to be able to score. Um, but I also know that Vanderbilt struggles stopping the quick passing game, which is what South Carolina is going to want to come out and do. They're the worst in the SEC against the pass in that in that capacity. Mm -hmm. So I think that there will be a few more points scored than than I was initially thinking once I dug in and actually watched some games and and dug into the deep stats. So I'm going to go South Carolina 20. Vanderbilt tw or tw South Carolina 27. 27. Yeah. There we go. Tie Vanderbilt game. 20. Yeah, tie game. And Vanderbilt 20. <laughs> I, I think that this this will end up being a game that Vanderbilt is just unable to close late, and South Carolina is able to pull away in that second half. And while 20, like I said last week, that the 42-13 prediction to, to Florida would actually be a closer game than that score shows. Yeah. I think you can expect between like a seven and 14 point loss for Vanderbilt but it's going to be a lot further away feeling than, right. than that. I think that they're not going to be able to get South Carolina off the field. I think Vanderbilt's going to try to run the ball a lot. And I think this game, the clock is going to get eaten up very, very quickly.
And, and we'll see. Well, I'm also interested to see what, what happens in the fourth quarter. Where's Vanderbilt? Where's the mm-hmm. scoreboard? But also, how quick can they start off? And, and, and there's so many keys. I mean, we, we, we separate three keys at the beginning of this pod. But, you know, there's so many keys with this team right now. But there you have it. Uh, you know, we've been kind of similar in predictions. But there, we'll see. We'll, we'll get an answer here. Uh, on Saturday, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, again, four o'clock Eastern time, set a reminder, SEC network, Vanderbilt, South Carolina in Columbia. Well, there it is. But coming up, I've got an interview coming up with uh, the founder of the Spurs Up show. He's got a great show there. They've got nearly 16,000 followers on Twitter. Chris Phillips is his name. He's the host of that show. We've got Chris Phillips coming up from the Spurs Up show here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floor. Welcome back into The Door Report. I'm Billy Derrick, and I'm now happy to be joined by Chris Phillips. He is the founder, host, and, and he, he's, he's the Spurs Up show. He runs that uh, over in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, does a great job. He's got over 15,000 followers on Twitter, so they're doing a great job up there, and they are the premier uh, site for South Carolina athletics, and uh, we're looking forward to this matchup on Saturday. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Really looking forward to it. And a pair of teams looking for their first SEC win of the season. So, you know, it's going to be a fun one. But, uh, no, love what you guys are doing as well, and I appreciate the kind words. And uh, thanks so much for having me. Like I said, looking forward to chatting. Yeah, let, let's start here, Chris. Uh, I, I, you know, obviously last weekend there were some probably some fans from the South Carolina side really curious to see how they would play against Tennessee because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tennessee, you saw them uh, basically manhandle Missouri and, you know, Coach Beamer's club heading into that one last week. Uh, I think treated it as a good opportunity and you know they didn't they didn't let down the second half they ended up you know making a little bit respectable but how surprised were you by South Carolina showing in Knoxville well as someone that picked South Carolina to win the football game I I was a little bit surprised you know my my thought process going in that game was either South Carolina is going to win or it's going to go down 28 nothing I was very surprised to see him fall down so quickly so early you know I there's no way that Tennessee plays that well again, back-to-back weeks. Man, they were sharp as ever. And obviously, South Carolina has deficiencies. They have holes. They have areas on their roster they need to fix. Um, some questionable play calling on the goal line, of course, which we've spent basically all week talking about that. But, uh, you know, I, I think to see South Carolina lose, was that surprising? Not necessarily, just because you were a 10.5-point underdog. I mean, the Gamecocks. It would have been an upset. And I talked about going in that game. Who was the game more important for? Was it more important for Shane Beamer or Josh Heupel? And I think actually it was Heupel. No, no question. You know, being a home favorite and double-digit home favorite, if Tennessee would have lost that game, it would have been detrimental for Heupel. And obviously that Tennessee mm-hmm. fan base, they, they would not handle a double-digit favorite loss at home very well. No. Um, so the Gamecocks right now sit at three and three, and they're kind of right where I think most people – expected them to be I mean I had them at four and two in the preseason three or three three and three does feel about right though um you know a football team that's just really struggling up front to run the football and obviously offensive errors after error after error but uh you know to lose the game I don't think that's the surprising part but it's the fashion in which you lost being down 28 to nothing at the end of the first quarter and 38 to seven at halftime so uh obviously again the Gamecocks are a, a hurt bunch right now and they're licking their wounds this week and obviously looking for a, a big win and Shane Muir's first SEC win this Saturday yeah, not only will I think we learn a lot about South Carolina this weekend, but we'll learn a lot about Tennessee this weekend as well. And kind of yeah, we're big starting matched up, up against Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Huge game. Yeah, we're starting to learn a lot about the SEC East. I mean, yeah. it's, good. it's been as weird a year in the conference as ever. But mm-hmm. I want to go to Clark Lee and Shane Beamer. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't know how close they may be, but it seems like the way Shane Beamer has talked about Clark Lee, they go back a ways. Uh, and in his presser this week, he, he said his stamp on that program is very evident the length that they have on their defense and their size will be a problem for us. Um, so would you say, Chris, that 
both Shane and Clark are going through similar difficulties right now with their programs. And obviously South Carolina, I would say is, is a couple steps ahead of Vanderbilt right now, but kind of the state of the programs and looking at these two teams, especially with how badly they both need this win. How would you compare kind of their trajectories and what they're working with? Well, obviously, Vandy is a unique challenge, right? I think you certainly would obviously attest to that. But when you got a pair of first-year head coaches, I mean, they're facing, I think, very similar difficulties in regards to, like, it's a bunch of guys that aren't yours. You didn't recruit them. Mm -hmm. You're really what year one is about, in my opinion. This is what I've been preaching really all preseason, all offseason, all fall camp, and all season still is year one, you know, we all care about the record, and winning games is very important. But it's more about laying the foundation, laying the right. groundwork. You know, I hate to call it year zero or the season's a wash, but – you know, whether you go seven and five versus five and seven, that's not an indictment or, you know, a verification that, oh, the program's headed on this trajectory, whatever. The goal of year one, in my opinion, for both Shane Beamer, Clark Lee, every first-year head coach, obviously when you hire a new head football coach, there's optimism, there's a new energy. Obviously, Shane Beamer reflected that tremendously. Mm -hmm. Over the preseason, I said, again, you know, the, the number one goal for Shane Beamer, get to next preseason with the same positive energy and momentum, no matter what the record is. Hey, you can go four and eight, and still have that positive energy momentum. When recruiting falls off, that's when you got to worry. So as long as they can keep doing that. But again, you know, Vandy's its own unique challenge. I think certainly, I think we both agree, South Carolina is definitely ahead of Vanderbilt a couple of steps. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think it, it all starts recruiting and Jimmy's and Joe's and obviously laying the foundation of your program and stealing that new culture. Of course, South kind of what they dealt with, with the fallout that was Will Muschamp. And you really saw the, the cracks in the armor, if you will, of what the culture was behind closed doors and just how imperfect that was. So I, I think Shane's done an incredible job. I mean, Clark Lee, for the hand he's been dealt, I think he's done a pr pretty fair job. I know it's been a really rough go for you guys in SEC play. But, uh, yeah, when you got a pair of first-year head coaches, it's a very it's a very similar challenge, I think, for them all. Uh, South Carolina's its own unique job. Vandy's its own unique job. Hey, Tennessee's its own unique job with Josh Heupel. Mm -hmm. But, right. uh, yeah, again, this is a game both very much so need to win. Uh, I guess both coaches looking for their first ever SEC win as a head coach. Yep. Um, and I will say this. I mean, I think Vanderbilt, I haven't looked at the entire schedule, but this is probably as winnable as an SEC game that mm -hmm. Vandy's going to have this season. I mean, I don't, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to go out here and beat the Kentuckys and the, and the LSUs and the Bamas and whoever else. Obviously, they've already right. played Georgia and Florida. But, uh, you know, this is – and the, 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 the Tennessees, of course. So this is as winnable – as Vandy's going to have and you know I think you'll see a very desperate Vanderbilt team and a Vanderbilt team that understands that and knows that and uh, I think you'll see a desperate bunch of Gamecocks as well that's looking to really bounce back but yeah Clark Lee Shane Beamer in that first year both building their programs it'll be really interesting to watch their trajectory over the next couple of years yeah every situation is different I mean uh, Mark Stoops said it best and I think I don't know if you met, you saw his interview last week at SEC Network but you know he went to attend his first season at Kentucky and and now look at them where, where they're at right now which it takes time and and especially mm -hmm. at these schools as South Carolina has a lot more tradition than Vanderbilt but um, you know Vanderbilt at this point in in his trajectory you got it you know you, you got to see some improvement so yeah I, um, I hate I hate to be so complimentary of Kentucky but you just really have to tip your cap man I mean you Mark, gotta give Mark them Stoops, credit Mark Stoops has done an incredible job and obviously mm -hmm. Kentucky's been a thorn in the side of the Gamecocks but I mean you've really just got to tip your cap man they've, yeah. they've given Stoops time and you know I think there were people early on that definitely wanted him fired but they stuck the course and you know maybe Kentucky's not going to the playoff which hey if they beat Georgia though they might be but right you know realistically Stoops has built an incredible program and a program I think many of us never would have envisioned Kentucky being no. what they are today yeah. so they expect uh, they, they yeah. expect to win those games now you know, yeah, ready, you ready for it. them, ready for them to come back to earth. I can tell you that. Much, so. <laughs> well, uh, we'll have to see about that, but the Gamecock offense, Chris, um, they put up 370 yards of total offense against Tennessee, which is a great number. And, and mm. you know, the quarterback situation has been interesting to monitor. I think before the season, uh, if you were to 
look at it where it is right now, you may look at it a little bit positively, you know, because of how this, this has gone. So what can you tell us about that quarterback situation, but more specifically Luke Doty and his progression as the leader of the offense? Yeah. I mean, I think, listen, Luke Doty is just a young signal caller who's figuring out the thing I like that Luke Doty is doing again, the, the starting quarterback's always going to get criticism and, you know, insults hurled his way and people, you know, the, the backup quarterback's the most popular guy on campus. And obviously his injury that happened in the preseason, that foot injury. Zeb Nolan you're talking about? Zeb Nolan, yes. The story of Zeb. Wake me up when Zeb Timber ends. Uh, <laughs> nah, I mean, Zeb did well in, in, a, in a fill-in role, but I think no doubt Luke Doty is this team's best option. He's QB1. He's the leader of this football team. I don't think there's any debate there. Um, but I think, you know, all in all, I think Luke Doty as a young signal caller has done a pretty good job. The thing I like the most, he's taking care of the football. You know, Luke Doty is not a guy that you, going into the season, you were thinking to yourself, oh, we're going to ask this guy to throw it 40, 50 times and be this All-American player. And, right. you know, he needs a team built around him. Obviously, he's got a skill set. He can throw the football. I think he throws it much better than people give him credit for. But, uh, yeah, this offense has been a struggle. There's no questions asked. You know, it's funny. I was talking about this on our live show yesterday that, uh, you know, the, the mood of the fan base, Billy, is very interesting because three and three, the Gamecocks have won the games they're supposed to win mm. and lost the ones they were supposed to lose. If you go by Vegas, right, which Vegas is – Right. More often than not, it seems yeah. right. But the mood of the fan base is sort of down in the dumps and a little bit more pessimistic than I would have expected. And I think a lot of it just simply comes from the lack of offensive output. If this was a team scoring 40 or 50 points per game, but it was still three and three. Mm -hmm. I think the mood is much different. So the issues all start with the offensive line for South Carolina. You know, a guy that uh, I really like for Vandy that I think South Carolina is going to have to keep an eye on is an Anferny. How do you say his last name? Anferny. So it's Anferny Orgy. It's not necessarily Orgy, G, okay. but it's a little softer okay, well, J. Yeah, sorry for sorry for uh, butchering <laughs> Anferny's name on the podcast today. Hey. I was like, hey, I'm just going to read it as I see it. But no, he's Got a really it. good. Yeah, he, he's a really good player and you know, offensive line has been this team's problem. Um, you know, I, I preached all preseason. The South kind of needed to be a 70-30 run to pass. You know, maybe that was a little aggressive, but when you look at last year, the SEC's leading returning rusher, hey, Kevin Harris went off in that game in Nashville he against did. the Vanderbilt Boy, defense. He did. Really his coming out party, I think, and the Gamecocks have just not been able to find any consistency on the ground, averaging less than four yards per carry. And, I mean, hey, you had your best rushing day against an FBS opponent against Tennessee. You only had 153 yards. Mm -hmm. So, I mean – that's where it really starts. And it, it, when you boil it down to it, are there issues with play calling? Sure. And everybody wants to blame Marcus Satterfield and blame the offensive coordinator. And certainly he's not immune to the criticism because he's a first-year guy. He was sort of a flyer hire, if you will, on a Shane Beamer and a guy that, you know, had never called a play. Heck, even at the Power 5 level, much less the SEC level before the season. But I don't think it's one thing that's wrong with this offense, man. I, I tell you this, I think play calling could be better, but certainly personnel, just overall execution – and you got to go find some playmakers. You, you just do not have a plethora of playmakers around Luke Doty, especially if you can't run the football mm -hmm. and you take you can't take advantage of Kevin Harris and Marshawn Lloyd and Quandre White and Juju McDowell. You can't take advantage in that facet. You know, South Carolina's been falling behind the sticks on first down way too much, and they get in third and longs, man. You can pretty much just, just wrap up the drive because it's not mm -hmm. going anywhere. So running the football to me is probably the biggest key for South Carolina's second half. And listen, I think Luke Doty's played fine. Uh, if you were if you were asking and expecting Luke Doty to be some all-SEC guy and ask him to go out there and throw 30 touchdowns, I think you set very unrealistic expectations. So, again, that's what I'll be looking for against Vandy. Can they finally, you know, is, is, is all hope lost for the offensive line, or can they finally get the line going Saturday against against the uh, the Commodores? But, again, you know, a Vanderbilt football team that I think is, what, averaging giving up 36 points per game. And I know there's been yeah. some, some uh, you know, inflated scores, if you will, but certainly Gamecock fans need to see progress from this offense on Saturday. So. 
And South Carolina, historically, they've dominated Vanderbilt. There's, there's right. no way around it. Uh, Vandy hasn't beaten the Gamecocks since 2008. Uh, so, you know, from a Vanderbilt fan's perspective, there's not a ton of confidence heading into this one. And, and, <laughs> and South Carolina is an 18-point favorite. Um, and, and for, but for Clark Lee, it's also a huge moment. You know, if he loses a close one, I think that he could still grab some confidence in this one. But with the history of this matchup, what is it? about this matchup that South Carolina always finds a, a way to pull off a win. What, what is it? Yeah, it's funny, man. South Carolina going for, what, 13 straight in the series. Yeah. Uh, and it's so funny, man. Through the ups and downs of Gamecocks football, I mean, you think of what's happened in Columbia the last decade. I mean, we have seen the peaks, the all-time peaks, 11-win season, SEC championship game appearance, and we have seen the very bottom, 2-8, and 4-8, eight, and eight, losing to the Citadel. I mean, the game, Gamecocks football <laughs> has been all over the map, but – Death taxes and beating Vandy. That is the one thing that has remained consistent with this football team. And I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I don't know. You think of the coaches that Vandy had with James Franklin and some of the teams they put out there and some of the good players Vanderbilt's had. There were some you close know, it, ones there, yeah. Right. There were some really close games. I think if you're a Vandy fan, you think to yourself, how have we not gotten these guys once in the last 12 years? And, and again, they've had some really good players come through. And South Carolina just always seems to find a way to beat the Vanderbilt Commodores. So will it be this year? I mean, you got to think at some point, Vandy's going to beat South Carolina. It's going, nothing it, lasts bound forever, to happen. right? I mean, how long, I guess, you know, Florida had the, you know, 30 year streak over Kentucky or whatever, but it's like, yeah. how long can that really go? Right. And I mean, what's, what's, what's even more baffling Billy in that stretch. We're talking about a Gamecocks football team that lost five straight to Kentucky, but still never lost wow. to Vandy. Never lost wow. to Vandy. So yeah. that, I don't know that, what that, it is. That tells you everything you need to know. Which, right which, which, though, I'll tell you this, though, man, which makes the attitude going into this football game from Gamecock fans this week, which makes it even more puzzling to me. I, I understand things have not gone perfectly. South Carolina's 0-3 in SEC play. They've lost to Kentucky. They've lost to Tennessee. I get what's happened. But, yeah, if you're a Gamecock fan, you have to feel confident. It's like, mm -hmm. dude, no matter what has happened over the last decade plus, we found a way to beat Vandy. So mm -hmm. you'd think, like you said, at home – it's homecoming. The fair's in town. You're an 18-point favorite. I think if you're a South Carolina fan, you should feel pretty damn confident if you ask me. But yeah. uh, like you said, man, one of those years, one of those years, it, Vandy is going to get South Carolina. <laughs> Will it be this one? I, I know the, the folks in Garnet and Black are hoping not. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's go to Vandy. And I know we've talked a lot about South Carolina, but when you throw the film in on Vandy, when when Coach Beamer throws the film in, uh, I know you touched a little bit, uh, you know, on 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 the the domination last season we saw from South Carolina in that one in Nashville. But what jumps out to you when you when you watch some of these Vandy highlights? Well, defensively, again, they're a tough bunch. I think under Clark Lee, obviously the work he did at Notre Dame, and you know he, he's going to have a certain style and tenacity about his defense again. Orgy, I should say, yes. Orgy has been very good for Vandy, and there's some good players there. But again, I, I think you'd probably agree, offensively, defensively, special teams, Clark Lee's fighting a fight where he's a little bit undermanned, uh, bottom line. You know, it's going to take time, and it's going to take years to build up the roster and really get those SEC-caliber athletes where they can realistically compete week in, week out, and, you know, start beating the South Carolinas and the Kentuckys mm -hmm. and the Tennessees and kind of get back to, you know, just even what we saw Vandy in the early 2010s and late 2000s, if you will. But uh, offensively, Ken Seals obviously has been a little bit turnover-prone, five touchdowns, seven interceptions. Got some really good wide receivers. I, I like Cam Johnson a lot. Uh, those guys on the outside, I think, are really solid for Vandy. And the run game, you know, for whatever reason, I think of good run game when I think of Vanderbilt. And I know it hasn't quite been there this year. Um, again, it's tough to judge Vandy because their two SEC games were Georgia and Florida. Right. And they lost by a combined score of 104-0. to So it's like, how, you know, I mean, where, is Vandy that bad? I mean, is, is there any, you know, I do think Vandy will get on the scoreboard in an SEC game this weekend. But, uh, you know, I, again, I think Clark Lee, 
for the hand he was dealt, doing a good job in year one. He's got a really tough physical team. Like I said, a little bit undermanned, basically, all of the roster. He's going to need mm-hmm. years to build that up. But, uh, again, I, I would not sleep on the Vanderbilt Commodores. I know it's an 18-point you know, spread. And, you know, South Carolina certainly, in my opinion, should win the football game. But I think Vandy's that team. I would not be surprised to see them – you know, come out of the gates one one game this year and, and kind of surprise somebody and pull off a win maybe they weren't supposed to get. But, uh, you know, Vandy will play South Carolina as hard as they can. And, you know, I, I think for the lack of confidence that I'm sure Vandy has, I'm sure they have a lot of confidence as well because it's like, man, we've played these guys close no matter what. You know, we, we've played them very close. So, you know, I think Vandy will come in under Clark Lee probably expecting to win and it'll be up to the Gamecocks to, to nix any of those efforts. But, uh, no, tough physical team. I think Lee will do a good job, but he, he definitely needs time to build the roster. No doubt, no doubt. And that was pretty damn good analysis for a South Carolina guy. Uh, that was <laughs> impressive. Uh, I want to go to the atmosphere that you might expect Saturday. And, you know, we've seen atmos- uh, amazing atmospheres in South Carolina, and, and we all know about, uh, you know, Sandstorm and all that. But uh, for a Vanderbilt game, uh, historically, what, what is this type of atmosphere like, and what type of crowd environment do you expect to see? You mentioned affairs there, uh, but Vanderbilt's coming into town, South Carolina, a big favorite. What do you expect Saturday? Well, we'll be throwing our tailgate, so we'll be lit. That's for okay, sure. Okay, you guys, gonna you having, guys are going to be there. Oh, uh, we we every single week. Hey, win or lose, we booze, and when nobody's here, we drink beer. That's what we say. Hey, you guys but, come to Nashville next next year. Let's, let's see. That's a road up. trip I've never made. I would love to do so. Yes, let's that will be it. in the plans for sure. But uh, you know, I'll be honest with you. And historically, you know, the crowd has been pretty good, but I don't think it'll be a great crowd Saturday, man. I I just think, unfortunately, you know, schools all over the country, by the way, are struggling with attendance and and yeah, getting why is that? You know, I, I just think with all of the opportunities to stream games and to watch every game and, you know, gone are the days of pay-per-view and listening yeah. to game on radios. There's just so many options. And also, hey, prices have gone up. To take a right. family of four to a football game, it's very expensive. And especially, mm-hmm. you know, I really felt for the Gamecocks last week that traveled to Knoxville. I mean, I, I was like, good Lord. I, I just, I really feel for you. <laughs> but, um, you know, what will the crowd be like? I, 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 I I'm not going to say there's going to be 80,000 in the, in the stadium. I don't think so. And it is homecoming. Uh, another thing is they're honoring the South Carolina Hall of Fame class for this year that includes guys like Michael Roth, Connor Shaw, John wow. Abraham, some, some Gamecock legends. Yeah. They'll be honoring at halftime, so maybe that brings more people. But, you know, realistically, man, I, I don't think it'll be a, a huge crowd. Um, I don't know if you saw the Troy game, but I think a little bit more than that, but probably something similar. It was very scarce in the upper deck. But uh, – I don't know, man. I don't want to say the Gamecock fans got a little spoiled with Steve Spurrier because all we hear is mm-hmm. the stories of 98, 99, and going 1-21 and 21 and 0-11, and, and we packed the stadium out every single week. That's just not the case anymore. And dude, even the elites are struggling packing the stadium. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think those that are there will be rowdy. They'll be raucous. But I think this is just a Gamecocks fan base, man, that is just so desperate for something good to happen. And, uh, you know, I- I'm very cautious always to pile on the fan base because this fan base has been beaten, battered, bruised. I mean, every sense of the word, certainly probably very similar to like Vandy yep. fans. I was thinking about that before we went live. I was like, man, to do a Vandy fans- podcast during football season, is, you're, you're a brave soul, really. These fans have been through a lot, uh, yeah. but I can't imagine. This is, I feel like this is kind of a therapy session for both. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So, no, it's, dude, I, I do a daily live stream noon to two, and that basically is just therapy. That's what it is. I, I joke with people, <laughs> the, the mic is my therapist, you know what I mean? It's who I can rant and vent to, but, uh, no, I, those that are there will be loud. It's homecoming, you know, the fair's in town. But realistically, man, I'll just be honest with you, I, I'm not expecting some sellout crowd or anything like that. I mean, I've got people yeah. reaching out to me. Hey, man, I got five tickets. I got two tickets. I got six Usually tickets. not a good sign. Just giving them away. That's, that's not <laughs> typically a good sign. So no. maybe I'll be surprised. Well, maybe you will. Well, I got one more here for you, Chris. Uh, the line is 18. We've talked about it. Uh, and, and they're playing at home. 
Uh, so you got to believe, you know, South Carolina is coming in here with confidence. Uh, but what's your prediction? South Carolina, Vanderbilt, 4 o'clock Eastern time, SEC Network on Saturday. Yeah, listen, again, this is a Gamecocks football team that is so desperately looking for a win. You need to see some progression offensively. Um, you know, you saw some hope in the second half of the Tennessee game running the football. Maybe, just maybe, Kevin Harris can get it going against the team. Like I said, that he had so much success against last year. Your defense had a really rough game, in my opinion. I think Clayton White has done a phenomenal job this year. Gamecocks leading the SEC in takeaways with 14. You got Jalen Foster with four interceptions on the back end. They have nine interceptions of the whole, which, dude, you look at the secondary last year compared That's to this crazy. year. Totally night and day. The job Clayton White and Torian Gray and Jimmy Lindsay and all those defensive coaches have done has been incredible. I think the defense will have a bounce back day. I think Ken Seals, again, five touchdowns, seven interceptions, has shown he is he is willing to put the ball in harm's way. And I think the Gamecocks defense will take advantage. Would not be surprised if it's, if it's close early. And, again, I think Clark Lee's team will play really hard. And, you know, there will be some very uncomfortable moments for South Carolina. But I think as long as the Gamecocks can just simply – just get out of their own way. Don't make stupid penalties. Don't make dumb mistakes. Don't turn the football over. If they can play a clean football game, I think they win. And I think the Gamecocks actually cover the 18-point spread. I'm going to lock it in 31-10. to 10. I think South kind of will there get the is. win. Again, I, I think that you could see a close game at halftime. You know, the Gamecocks have got issues. They've got deficiencies. They've got imperfections. You know, this may be their last win of the season, but they're not where Vandy is right now. And I say that as mm. respectfully as possible. I, I think there are some good players on the roster and – and I think Luke Doty will continue to be what Luke Doty is. And it's just all comes down to can South Carolina run the football? Can they run the football? I think they'll run it as well as they have all season, especially against an FBS opponent. Uh, are all 31 of the points offensive points? I have no idea because, again, the Gamecocks defense has shown that playmaking ability and that opportunistic nature to make things happen. But, uh, you know, South Carolina desperately needs a win. They desperately need their first SEC win. Shane Beamer needs it. The fan base needs it. The football team needs it. Everybody needs it. I think the Gamecocks will get it. 31 to 10 is the score I got. There it is from Chris Phillips. He is the founder of the Spurs Up Show uh, on Twitter. I'm guessing that's that's Spurs Up Show, right, on Twitter, at Spurs Up. Yeah, at Up. the Spurs Up Show, yeah. All at, across Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We're on TikTok. Wow. Everywhere. Wow. Everywhere. YouTube, everywhere you can think of. So You get the TikTok community. Looking hey, we're about to hit 10,000 on TikTok, man. That's crazy. Congrats, man. Maybe, maybe we'll have to jump on there with you. Yeah, dude, it's fun. It's, 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 I probably wouldn't have one if it wasn't for my business, but it, it is, it is a good time, but yeah, we're awesome. also iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google podcast, everywhere you find them. Uh, also do a daily live stream noon to two Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We take calls, all that good stuff. So there it is content bleeding out the eyeballs, my man. And like I said, best of luck to you guys this weekend. I'm expecting a good game and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Two programs of first-year coaches. We'll see what the trajectory is like over the next couple of years for sure. We'll, we'll book that Nashville trip. Hey, let, I'm, let's, I'm dead let's ass do serious. Let's so. do it. We'll, we'll stay in yeah. contact. And, uh, hey, thanks again for coming on, Chris. Appreciate you, my man. Thank you.